Welcome to the podcast that demands ambition, passion, and courage in order to succeed in this mission called life. All you have to do is just pass your limit. Go beyond your restraints by embracing the physical, intellectual, and emotional suck that life will throw at you. I'm your host, Ugo. I do not claim to be the subject matter expert, but I will share my experiences and I'll ask my guests to do the same. The discussions will be guided by honesty and civility. Some episodes will have guests, but most of them will be me and you. No excuses accepted here, people. None. I'm excited to get after it. So without further ado, let's go. Welcome to the Passion Limit Podcast. My guest today has served in the military for 22 years. His tours of duty include Siganella, Italy, Great Lakes, Lakes, Illinois, Yuma, and most recently as commanding officer of Naval Hospital Rhoda. He has a doctorate degree in optometry, but also holds a master's degree in business administration. He led the initial response to COVID-19 pandemic and made pivotal time-sensitive decisions to protect American troops overseas as the response switched from the initial phase to the sustainment phase. It is my pleasure to welcome Captain Achila to the Pasha Lima Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. You're very kind. I appreciate it. Um, happy to be here. Certainly, I, I'm, I'm glad we were able to finally connect. As, as you know, I'm, I'm retiring in the process of retiring and transitioning out, and I happen to be uh, TAD at the Transient uh, Personnel Unit, so I'm Mm-hmm. I'm almost out uh, officially, but if I could uh, pass along a few words of wisdom or help somebody out, happy to do so. I, I promise I'm not any sort of guru or anything like that, but I believe we can all learn from each other in some small way. Uh, so maybe there's something I can share that that inspires somebody or helps somebody out. So happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome, sir. And that's that humility that you try to teach me, and I'm 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 trying every day, sir. I'm working on it, so. Uh, let me transition, segue to the first question, which is, where are you from and why did you decide to join the military? Yeah, I mean, originally grew up in the Chicagoland area, I would say, for the most part. Um, I did do my professional studies in, in Houston, uh, Texas, back where I met my wife. Um, that's where I joined out of. You know, for me, I've always had this calling to serve. In fact, I almost enlisted out of high school. I was very close to joining the Army. Um, the only reason I didn't do it is uh, is my dad um, preferred that I I go the college route, and I've always respected what his advice, and so I followed it, and it, it did work out for me. Um, I think I had a, a calling to serve. Um, I also think that you know when it came time finally to uh, be able to apply for a health profession scholarship program, I was admitted to the optometry school. Uh, I, I was able to do both both passions, which was you know, follow my dream of being an optometrist at the same time, fulfill that, uh, that dream of, of serving in the United States military. So it worked out great. Um, as 22 years later, here I am, I never expected to be here that long, Mm -hmm. but, um, I've definitely been able to to serve others and, and that's been, that's been great for me. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, sir. Um, I'll push to the next question, which is what has fate done for you? on your long journey to being a captain in the United States Navy? 
You know, I'm not sure how to answer this question other than say, uh, I'd be lying to you if I sat, if I sat here and said, I've had faith the entire time. Um, mm. I think it's very easy to get lost in the day to day and the minutia and, uh, to kind of have this, um, view of self and, and not understand that the bigger picture, um, of faith and mm. knowing that there's a higher power and those kind of things. So, um, but when I have, when it's been strong and, and I feel like I'm in a good place now, um, it's really helped me be, live life with a little bit more grace and ease, you know, to trust that, uh, that things are the way they're supposed to be. Um, whatever's happened in the past has been, uh, you know, potentially a lesson or, or something that we can learn from. Um, so, you know, I think for me, faith is a is very very important. Um, you know, there's all kinds of sides to someone, you know, there's, uh, you know, the physical side and the, the mental side. And, and then I believe there's the spiritual side too. So, uh, faith is, faith is very, uh, very important to me. And, um, but I, again, I can't tell you, sit here and tell you that, that I've had it, uh, it's been strong all along, but when it has been, I felt like life has been easier. Mm. Thank you. For, thank you for that. But, uh, I want to follow up real quick because you said with more grace. What what do you mean by that? Like, you mean um, grace oh. to me is, um, you know, let's say I give you a situation, you, you receive some bad news, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the first inclination that one has is to maybe go high to the right or you know to just get this feeling of dread. Um, when when you have faith and trust, you can you can be more at ease. You can have more grace in that you can say, okay, it's interesting, you know, kind of almost watch it from afar and say, that's, that's, you know, even perhaps even laugh at it, you know, and say, all right, <laughs> but that's the situation I'm in right now. So then you can easily get to more problem solving versus banging your head or feeling down or sorry for yourself or presenting something, getting angry. Um, you know, all of those are really counterproductive to ultimately what you need to do, which is, you know, let's try to find a solution. Let's, let's move on. Let's, let's make the best of the situation and understand that we may seem um, bad, good or bad uh, may not actually be good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could, it could turn out, you think it's bad and it turns out being the best thing that ever happened to you. You think something's good and it can be the worst thing that ever happened to you. So uh, having faith in that it, things are the way it is and, and just being as, as uh, helpful and, that ease and that grace. And that's kind of what I mean by it. More of an ease type thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what would you have done if you didn't join the Navy? Yeah, I probably would have been in private practice. I was pretty determined uh, to be an optometrist. So I'd probably be working, you know, in an optometry shop somewhere, probably in Houston. You know, I've had, uh, I had friends that that went that route and um, I respect that. uh, But I think, in the end, uh, the sense of travel, the sense of service, um, you know, having a little bit more purpose, you know, joining the Navy and, and the military has been great for me personally. But yeah, I probably would have been in private practice. Um, I think the the issue, though, is I would not have been as fulfilled uh, knowing mm. what I know now. Um, it, it's just the sense that I have. Um, I never really wanted the you know, right off the bat, I didn't want the picket fence and all that. I really, um, I wanted to see the world. I wanted to, uh, you know, spread my wings a little bit and I was able to do that. So I'm happy it all worked out the way it did. Yes, sir. And you talked about fulfillment, but, um, 
if you don't mind, can you unpack one word you use there? Purpose. Purpose. When, at what point in your career did you find your purpose? And how did you know it was your purpose? Well, you know, I think I've, I, I think I found it uh, two or three different times in my life. Um, you know, I think when you kind of examine yourself a little bit, there's key points where you may be applying for a job. For instance, when I was going down the road of uh, XOCO, you know, did I want to put my name in the hat for that? I really had to think about what is my purpose. Um, and, and you get to that when you start thinking about what matters most to you. Um, mm-hmm. I did a little bit of an exercise that I've, I did at my first year in the military. It's carried on all throughout. And I, I try to bring it back up this exercise every time I have to make a big decision. And uh, the exercise, it was in a Franklin Covey uh, training and it was called what matters most. And he basically said, uh, you know, um, think about your obituary, start writing. Um, you got two minutes, write down what matters most to you and what you would want your obituary to say that, that very first line, and then just keep writing. Uh, so I think when you examine what matters most to you, then it's easier to kind of think, well, what is my purpose really then? You know, so for me, it was to be, you know, a great husband and father. Okay. So if I'm putting that first and that's what I want to be on my obituary and that's what I, I want people to think of me, then that's probably where I should start basing my decisions off of not based on the, the seventh or eighth decision, which, you know, uh, can happen where you kind of get stuck in this game of trying to, you know, get promoted and blah, blah, blah. So you start making decisions that are contrary to that. Mm-hmm. And I've been guilty of that myself, even though I thought I was fully awake and aware of what I was uh, attempting to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, going down different roads, you get these moments of clarity and, and this intuition and, and you just, you have to follow it as long as it's with your purpose. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Still trying to, I think I, I have my purpose at this point, but um, I'm still looking into it. It changes. You know what I mean? It changes too. It's what was your purpose? I mean, think about it when you're 18 years old is probably not what your purpose is now. And, and it, and it's okay. I mean, it may not always stay that way. Uh, you know, when I went down the optometry route, it was, you know, this really, the sense that I could help people, um, you know, with, with their vision because someone had helped me. Uh, although that's still definitely a purpose of mine. And one of those things that I want to do, I don't know that it's my, my number one goal in life. You know right. I mean? It's if I can be a good husband and father and, you know, uh, help people with their vision, then that's, that's the ultimate, you know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome. Oh, let's talk about leadership. I have a leader on on this interview, so I would be remiss if I did not talk about leadership. So what are the best traits to you, to you? What are the best traits of good leaders to you? Yeah, so, you know, I've been asked this question, but, you know, since you're asking me this question, you know, my, my temptation is to throw it right back at you because you're a great leader. You oh, know, wow. um, I've seen you in action, you know, at the deck plates and those kind of things. So. Uh, I think you could probably sit here and tell me what a great leader is and, and not the other way around, but I know uh, you invited me on this. So I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and <laughs> say what my thoughts. Yes, sir. Um, I've read some books over the years and, and a few things stuck with me. Um, I try to, I try to follow some of the sage words and some of the, try to um, emulate the traits of, of what I've read. 
um, or seen personally, maybe from a, from a mentor or something like that. But uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that, I, that I do it all the time. I, of course, fall short and I, and I miss, uh, miss the mark all the time. But all right, what are those traits? I would say one is uh, selfless. You know, you got to be selfless. Um, when, when the ego takes over um, and it's, it's very tempting for that to happen, uh, I think it's, it's impossible to, um, to be selfless, to think of others before yourself. Uh, so I think that that's a constant battle. There isn't, it's not like a steady state um, where you're selfless and you just remain that way. There's always times that uh, we become selfish. Um, I think uh, being steady and, and calm in a crisis is, is a good quality. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I actually am more successful doing that in, in a professional setting than in my, my own personal life which is kind of uh, interesting when I, when I sit there and think about it. Uh, but, you know, a calm in a crisis is important, particularly in a military setting where, you know, the team is depending on you, uh, you know, a group of leaders are looking to you for an answer and, and, you know, you need to be, um, you need to be calm and centered on that. And then I think rock solid character, you know, this idea that um, when people aren't looking that, that you do the right thing and, and you know it uh, as well as others, um, they know the right thing to do, but do you have the courage to follow it, even when uh, maybe it's not the popular decision? So those are the those are the three things. I mean, there's there's probably a lot of other ones, but that's kind of what pops to mind initially. Yes, sir. Powerful ones. I know. The one that resonated with me was the common crisis because I always give myself. I think I'm able to handle crisis well at work. When it comes to the family setting, <laughs> that's always a deliver for me. You know, I'm approaching 40 years old and I still haven't figured it out. Two marriages, you know, and uh, that's just something I always know when I talk to you, you always bring out a part I was, I was going to talk about. But, you know, it's, I'm trying to get better each and every day, communicating better with my wife now, love her to death. But it's just that calm, that calm in crisis. I, I'm trying to learn how to do that. I guess the follow up question is, how did you? How did you figure, I don't know if you figured it out in your personal life. Like, how do you communicate better with your spouse, I guess? Uh, yeah, I guess I, um, you say figured it out. I definitely haven't. Um, I guess I, I'm good at times and I haven't, but I would say there's one thing that, that has enabled me to improve my communication, not only with my spouse, but just in general. And, and again, uh, put me a little bit more at ease is, you hear this all the time. People say, just breathe. Mm -hmm. And I never really fully understood that until about maybe a year ago or so. Um, and I had a lot of people talk, tell me that in the past, you know, just, just breathe. What, what I think they really mean is uh, what it, what I feel like now it means to me is, you know, kind of going inward, connecting with yourself, um, mm -hmm. taking time to slow down, simplify things. Uh, one way to do that's through meditation. You know, so I practice meditation in the morning. Um, if I can get one in at, at lunch, great. Uh, when I get at home, great. If I get one a day, my life, it's just way easier. It's just this idea. There's some breathing techniques through that. It's just kind of going inward, mindfulness, being grateful mm. for what, what you have and understanding the, uh, what is, you know, where you're at currently and, uh, you know, where you want to head to. And so um, I can't say that it's uh, every single day it's it's perfect like that and that things don't bother me and that, that I, you know, don't get derailed. 
But I think when I come back to that center, that constant battle and breathe some great, you know, in a true crisis, someone walks in and says something, okay, you don't have, you know, 10 minutes to sit there and meditate, you know, it's not going to happen. But uh, what does that even mean? Like to meditate? Like, are you just sitting there just not talking? No, it's, uh, I mean, you could, there's a contemplation where you think of, you know, think of something and uh, maybe read a passage in the Bible, or you Mm -hmm. could, uh, you know, there's, there's meditative uh, teachers out there, meditation teachers, you know, I use one um, and essentially it's, there's some sort of theme to it. um, Whether it be, uh, you know, how to, how to connect with the divine or how to, um, how to trust, um, you know, overcoming fear, those kind of things. And, and then, uh, there's a, you know, it's the ones I enjoy are the mantra based ones. So you, you, you get this thought that you think about, and then you have a mantra and, and what it does is it kind of stills the mind a little bit. And, um, when I've read, I've read some books and I've read some theories on these kind of things. And what, what I've come across is, is that a lot of uh, the great uh, leaders of the past did have some sort of meditation practice or some sort of practice where they slowed down, you know, that return to right. nature, for instance, is a, right. you know, we, we go out into the, uh, into nature, you go into the woods or hiking, those kind of things, running sometimes it can, it can bring a sense of ease for you. You know, mm-hmm. but if your mind's running while you're doing it, I think that's kind of contrary to it, okay. you know? Uh, so yeah, in a crisis, okay, you don't have time to meditate, but you do have time to say, let me think about that. Let me think about that. All right, let's see. So time know, to even reflect. if you're not saying it out loud, it's internally, like okay. thing going like, okay, where are we at? All right. right, hold on a minute. Let's not get too carried away. And you kind of pause, you know, oh. where are we at? What are we going to do? And I think that's, um, that's been huge. When I've yeah. done that, I feel like I've come to a better decision. Um, I can't always say that they were, they worked out, you know, that failed many times, but at least uh, I was able to consider all the aspects of it. Yes, sir. Awesome stuff. I'm actually reading a book right now, the meditations of Marcus Aurelius, and I'm Mm -hmm. trying to understand um, his mindset. And he talks about a lot of meditation, obviously, and um, concepts. I'm trying, I'm actually looking into meditation and how to steal my mind, as you just said. It's interesting. But um, I have more questions. Let, let, me, let me keep pushing. Next one is kind of personal, but um, I just I look forward to how you unpack this one. So the question is, I sometimes personally deal with people calling me too mission-driven or they just say I'm too aggressive. Um, what advice would you give a sailor like myself about communication? I would say just um, a couple things. One, you know, um, when you when you say something, it's not what you say; it's how you say it. Um, if you say it in a rushed fashion, very mission driven, like bark it out kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, some people get lost on the, you know, the presentation of it versus what you're actually trying to say. Uh, so you have to kind of be mindful of how you say it. Um, it's interesting. I heard, I don't know if it was Alan Alda. I think I want to say it was, he was talking about how he communicated with his wife for 50 years. And, and he said that he learned very early that uh, how you say something is the most important thing to really communicate. You know, if, if your wife does something that upsets you, uh, you could say, what the heck are you doing that for? Or you could, 
say it in a kind of, you know, kind of gentler way and say, you know, when you did what you did, it, you know, it kind of upset me, you know? So by saying it in that way, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily, um, for me, it doesn't mean that you're weak. What it means is, is that you've, you've thought critically about it and you're trying to trying your best to communicate. So I, I think, um, kind of that, that tone is important. There's also this, um, rule about communication that, uh, that I had uh, read about, and I hope I get it right. But the first thing that you do is it's like a three-step rule is, um, is it when you're about to say something, uh, is it, is it kind? Maybe actually, it's, I'm mm. sorry. I think it's, is it true? Is it true? Okay. If it's true, move on to the next one. If it's not, let it go. Okay, if it's true, great. Is it kind? Well, if it's not kind, let it go. If uh, Or you can move on to the third step, which is if, if it's true and what you want to say is not kind, can you try to say it in a kind way? And, uh, and usually you can tone it down a little bit so that you can get the point across and communicate. Uh, because what you put out there, to, you know, into the world, you sometimes can't take back. We know, like when you say something, you can't always take it back. So uh, really trying to think about that. That was a pretty cool rule. I actually had, I don't know if you noticed it, because I know you, I mean, you talked a few times, but I had a little sticky note underneath my computer with those rules. Uh, and I tried, mm. I tried my very best to, to follow them. Yes, sir. Wow, that's powerful. That's, that's also, I said, that's a personal question, and I just have to keep watching that tone because sometimes I get ahead of myself, get a little bit aggressive. Um, uh, and I think uh, it's important for everyone to know themselves and know their flaws. So I wouldn't necessarily call it a flaw. It's just a, sometimes it's an opportunity to get better. So I'll Yeah, it's a setting, too. Like if you're out with the Marines or something and you're in combat and you want to say, <laughs> you know, you got to just get it. You got to get it out. Right. You know, but um, if you're in a, a setting like a, you know, where we work in a military treatment facility where quite often what me and you do aren't that urgent to get the point across, you know, um, I think we can think more critically about how we say things. Mm. I can't say again, I can't say that I did that perfectly. That's for sure. But I tried. Yes, sir. Point taken. Ooh, yeah. Now to the next question. How would you respond to selfish people on a team? Would you just call it out? Not necessarily be kind. I know we just talked about being kind, but my my um, way is just tell them what it is and always put the emphasis on the team. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, communicating to them that that you're feeling like they're they're not pulling their weight, you know, is important. Um, I try not to judge why I try not to accuse um, because what I've learned is, is that a lot, everyone suffers and everyone's suffering to a certain degree. Uh, Everyone's got something going on, you know, whether it's in your personal life, your spiritual life, your physical life, there's always something that's just a little bit off. Um, And so what may seem like a selfish act may just be in fact them, lost in their own reality, their own dream. And I don't take it personal. Um, and I try not to judge them and mm. build on that often. Um, and so then after I connect with them and, and express how, uh, you know, that I would like them to participate and 
And I explain why, because oftentimes, uh, like I said, with the diversity on a team, you, you want everybody's input. There's a reason they're on that team. Right. Uh, and then try to find out what can inspire or motivate them. You know, maybe uh, try to clear that blockage or whatever blockage that constriction is that they have. That's not allowing them to fully participate. Try to help them with that. You can get some loyalty. Uh, that's not the main reason to do it, but you can get some loyalty out of that. And and then uh, when they do get everything cleared up, they could be your, um, you know, you're probably your biggest contributor in the end to help with that. So that's, that's the hard part because sometimes, uh, especially if you're the team leader, I mean, the first instinct is to take, take it personally, you know, like, why aren't they, why aren't they listening to me? Why aren't they doing what I instructed them to do? And, uh, it then becomes about us and that's, that's Mm -hmm. not really what it's, what it's about. Yes, sir. Awesome. Now this next question is what's the most uncomfortable thing that you've ever done and how did you overcome it? Mm Hmm. I would say, uh, <laughs> forgive, forgiving, mm. you know, not, not only myself, um, which is really hard to do, but, uh, you know, also those around you that, that you perceived have hurt you. It's very difficult to do. Very, very difficult to do. Yeah. I can't say it's a one-time shot either. Like, you know, one day you say, I forgive. And then, Next day you're back at it again. Like, no, uh, how about that? Why me? You know? Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, part of that is, is because your, your, your ego gets in the way. Um, so you have to, you have to kind of work on that ego. You have to kind of realize um, that you're, you're interconnected. So that's where your kind of faith comes in, your spirituality, that, uh, that we're all equal. Um, and, and that we all make mistakes. And if you really look inward and do some self-examination, and that's a tough one too, when you really sit there and examine yourself before you start pointing other people out at what they did to you, mm-hmm. um, then, uh, then you can come to the realization like, Hey, we, none of us are perfect, you know, but you also can choose um, if someone does hurt you to forgive them, but not necessarily forget, continue forget. that relationship. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Gotcha. So, um, I guess in the military, that's a little bit more difficult to do because we kind of have to work together and we have to figure it out. But, uh, you know, in a, in a personal life, in a personal setting, there are choices that can be made. So I think that's one way you can, you can decide if it's not serving you, um, it's not help, it's, it's hindering you or you're getting constricted because of it. And then, um, then you, you need to move on. But if you don't give, if you don't forgive, it's going to be difficult. Yes, sir. Awesome. Now, I know you, you read a lot, but before I get to that question about the quotes, I want to ask you about something again that's kind of personal. What do you mm-hmm. think about fatherhood and marriage, and how do you think it helps or restrains service members? I mean, for me, the fatherhood and marriage, I, as I stated earlier, that's my purpose. Um, so for me, it's what I think about is it's critically important, you know, and I, I just have seen um, particularly you know, it does, I don't know if it's just the military. I think it's anywhere. Um, I've seen where people cannot perform. They, they uh, lose their way uh, because their personal life, in particular mother, motherhood or fatherhood, um, you know, or their marriage is, is going awry. And mm-hmm. you see the performance drop off. And, and the hard part with that is, is that everybody has something to offer the world and, and they're not able to do that um, because they – they're just too sucked into what's going on with them. Um, 
so, you know, I guess with, you know, in a military setting, you have deployments and you have these other things that put strain, strain on your ability to be, you know, to be as good of a father, maybe, uh, you can still do it, but you, you gotta really, you gotta really put time and effort into it. You can't just be on coast cause that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. Um, yeah, so I think, um, I don't think there's anything else I want to say. I think under the, the um, right circumstances and uh, that the, the family and, you know, the marriage can really be supportive of your military service. Um, in particular, if, you know, the, the spouse is understanding of the necessity to deploy or where mission um, has to come into play, I think where we get in trouble is, is when that deployment's over, that deployment, um, you know, you, you can't jump right back into the, and be 100% go. Um, again, I think you need some time to take some leave and, and decompress and reconnect with the families and those kind of things. I think we do a disservice when we, when we don't do that. Um, because we want them to know that there is a, there is an end to this. I mean, even if you have to work a long, long hours in a, an entire week, Right. Uh, you need to be really good about the next week, you know, when Monday comes around and, you know, you can push away from the desk that you actually need to push away from the desk. Mm. Sometimes we get too, you know, caught up in that, that routine of, well, I'm just going to stay late. I just got one more thing I got to do. Uh, that has been a, an issue in my life where it's been hard to push away, you know, uh, because that's just the nature that I, that I had. But if my true purpose and, fatherhood and marriage. And if that's my true purpose, then I need to make that decision to push away because that yes, work sir. generally will be there tomorrow. Not always, but generally. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Understood. Now, um, something lighter. Uh, I know you read a lot. I want to know what's your favorite quote and or favorite poem, if you have any, and if you'd be willing to share it with my audience. The one that came to mind, uh, is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I, I've used that over the years. Um, where I think you can get in trouble is if you're always in a planning mode, though, and not enjoying the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, So I've gotten myself in that mode where I'm always thinking of the future and I can't even enjoy what's going on right now. Um, but I like the quote because I do think if – if you don't put at least a little bit of time and effort into your future and you don't lean in that direction of your dreams, you're going to have a hard time achieving them. They're not just going to appear, mm-hmm. but if you put all your eggs in the, the future basket, you end up uh, forgetting about the now and that can, that can uh, spell trouble for, for yourself and all those around you. Uh, as far as a poem goes, you know, I can't really think of one, that I, that I have. And, uh, it was interesting. I, I was thinking, uh, I never did, um, let it out too much, but I used to have some raps back in the day. So I have like my own poems. And, uh, so I, I wrote a couple, um, but, uh, I think that's kind of what I enjoy is like maybe more like lyrics and those kind of things. Okay. I, I enjoy when I can understand a song and one really connects with me. I, I kind of, I kind of get with that. So interesting. I don't know. Who's your favorite uh, yeah. rapper then? Did you say? <laughs> oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> People think I'm a fraud. You know? <laughs> Honestly, I like, 
I like it all though. I mean, I, I like, you know, I think in some ways, uh, you, I think you may have encountered it when you came into my office a few times. I mean, I'd sit there and listen to jazz and I can't right. tell you who the, who the person is it on is, the other right. end, you know, but it just kind of in that moment, that's what I wanted to listen to. Yes, yeah. sir. All right. At this point, I want to ask you about your regrets. So what's your biggest regret? And, um, I guess specifically, what's your biggest re- regret as a leader? Honestly, I try not to, I know this is, sounds like a cop-out, but I try not to think of regrets anymore. Um, I think you can really live in the past. Um, I go to the past, don't get me wrong, like everybody does, but I try to just go there to learn from the past, not not dwell on it. I think regretting uh, to me is is more of a, a as, as more time associated with it. It's almost like you, you're constantly going or you're constantly thinking you're regretting. So I try, I try not to, I try not to regret um, because I think that everything that has happened is the way it should have been. Um, what's that, it, what's it, that thing? Push, you, hey, sir, what's that thing you always say about focusing on out, something about the outcome? How, how do you say that again? Yeah. I like uh, something I heard one time. It's it's um, take brilliant action, brilliant, but but detach from the outcome. Uh, you can do everything in your power to to get something to go in your favor the way you want it, like a promotion, for instance. You can try as hard as you you can work every day, have you know great performance, but the person that's on the other end of that's writing that fit rep, they may not notice it. Mm. And that's okay because you know it, you know, and you know what your purpose is and you knew at the time that you did everything you could do. So you can't really go back and regret it. It is the way it is. And, and it's, uh, again, it goes back to that trust and that faith and that you weren't maybe meant for that. Maybe it's going to go in a, a different direction. You know what I mean? So, yes, sir. um, yeah, I think, I think, but if you push me, if you push me, you say, come on, I need a regret. I would say my regret is that I have regrets. <laughs> you know, that's perfect. I, I, uh, but I try to quickly get out of it, you know, cause I think it's a time thing. I think you Ooh. go to the, you go to the past, it might hit you. The stomach might drop a little bit. Oh yeah. yeah. That one hurt. Well, what I learned from it was, and then out of it again. Can't waste or, too much time. It was trying past. to teach me. And sometimes you have this epiphany where you, you now realize why something happened bad in the past. Mm. And so that's where it's good to revisit it to say, you know, I got fooled again at one time. You know, for me, um, an example would be I got passed over for captain, picked it up the next year. But if I had gotten, if I had picked it up when I would have, I wouldn't have ended up in Rhoda. I wouldn't have ended up, you know, I wouldn't have ended up where I'm here right now. I wouldn't have known you, you know, I mean, it, my life would be completely different. Do I want to go back in time and do I regret that? No. Was it a hard job? Yeah, absolutely. It was a hard job. <laughs> you know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Would I choose it again? I don't know about that, but I don't have regrets on it. Yes, sir. Awesome answer. Now I want to ask you about advice. What would you say to every officer in the military about leading enlisted men and women? I know we talked about this one word I'm going to share with you, and it makes people uncomfortable, but I would say love one another. And that's it, you know, um, and that includes your sailors, you know, it includes the people you work with, it includes your patients, you know, in our setting, um, 
I really feel like that we, we really need to understand that we are completely interconnected. We, we share, we share the, you know, the same universe, I guess, if you want to get kind of deeper. Um, and I think, you know, like if you, you think about like COVID for instance, I mean, uh, that, that went all around the world. It's still around, you know, you can, you could, uh, hardly interact with somebody and, and still potentially get COVID from them. You know, we, our decisions, how we, uh, how we behave, how we talk, how we walk. I mean, we affect another person. Uh, we drive, whatever it is. So if we can get to a place, and again, I can't say that I'm always at this place, but where we understand that we are all divine beings, you know, like we're, we're all we all came from the, you know, whatever you believe in what happened in the earth or whatever, this, you know, big bang theory, stardust, you know, you can look at it like that. We all came from stardust. We are all stardust. We're all the same. Right. Uh, we're all going to the same place. Mm-hmm. And so um, if, if we look at each other as that, uh, you know, as a, as equal equals, uh, it's very easy to love each other. You know what I mean? It's very easy to and then have compassion for another person because it could easily be you, you know, you're not much different, you know, if something bad happens or whatever and, uh, and just be there for each other. And I think that makes life more fulfilling and ultimately um, I think brings happiness and true joy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just a couple more questions. I know I've had you, um, on for a long time now. Just a couple questions I have to get out of you first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all right. Um, what's what's the best way to resolve conflict in your opinion? The subordinate prayer or superior? Talk. Yeah, just talk. Mm. I mean, I think yeah, we've we've all done it where we've walked around and someone has done something, said something, rubbed us, you know, the wrong way, and we can just let it, let it eat us up, you know. But that's hard though, sir. Like to, to, how do you initiate that conversation, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of it is, is just building trust and people getting to understand who you are. But, you know, it's difficult in the military. We move around a lot. People are kind of always, you know, always coming and going. And uh, it just, you constantly, you know, trying to rebuild trust. But I think people may not always agree with you, but they'll at least, uh, when they build some level of trust with you, um, they will at least hear you out, you know, sure. but it's, it's hard. These difficult conversations are, it's a skill that, that people need to work on and, um, you know, really, you know, make it a point to do because if you don't have them, things fester and then eventually, you know, they, they become a major problem. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to tackle it from the beginning. And it's interesting, you know, when you're coming from a junior to a senior perspective, that could be very difficult. You know, it's, it seems to be a little easier coming from a, uh, from a, you know, senior to a junior and even across, you know, ranks or whatever, uh, that can be, that can be hard too. So where I've, where I've had significant failure in my life is where I've failed to communicate, even though, uh, something was irritating me or bothering me, I didn't communicate it. Or when I did do it, I wasn't kind in it and I lost them right away. And then, you know, sometimes you just can't get them back. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Now I have to ask this question. What is your favorite book? If you have a favorite book, or what are you reading now? Uh, so I'm reading um, Ego is the Enemy. That's what I'm kind of into. Um, that's more of a professional book, maybe a 
kind of obviously it spills over into the personal. Um, so I like that. I also like to, uh, to follow, uh, my, my favorite sports team, um, kind of everything and, uh, all, all, anything about the Houston Cougars. I always watch. I was, so that's kind of my, my brain dump time. I'll, I'll read that. Um, mm. professionally, the effective executive was one that really had an impact on me. It helped me kind of organize myself, um, Luckily, I, I kind of, I mean, it's it's Peter Drucker, who's the, the author, um, that I kind of extrapolated what he said when he said it into kind of a little bit more of the modern era and connected it to emails. And that changed my life because I used to, for the most part, walk out of, uh, walk out of work, even though I progressed to higher jobs and uh, greater responsibilities with, you know, less than 30 emails on there. And most of those, you know, I could take care of it, just, you know, left them in there for either a reference or something like that. But I think that really helped me uh, with my time management and uh, helped me uh, be more effective at work. Um, because when you have that family at home and you need to get home, you know, we're all competing, right? You know, you, you, you got to be able to do more with less time uh, if you really want to, you know, stay connected with that, the family. And, uh, so I think that that made a big difference in my life. Um, mm. And then spiritually, you know, uh, I think it's uh, there's there's always little things that you read. I try to uh, anytime I see an inspirational quote, uh, I have I'm subscribed to like Franklin Covey. I get these little quotes. I get um, there's this uh, meditation teacher named David G. Uh, J. I. David G. Uh, D. A. V. I. D. J. I. He sends out every so often a few talks, you know, if there's like a Ted talk or something, you know, use that mm. kind of listen to anything, I anything and everything. And I think if it's planted in front of you, um, you, you know, we got to pay attention to it and see, well, why is this coming across my desk right now? Or why did this come into my email and how can I apply this to my life? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now this is the very final question. And, um, I'm looking forward to his answer. And again, it's kind of a personal question uh, mm -hmm. that I often experience anxiety and depressive episodes due to being misunderstood, you know, and taking away from this conversation, I'll keep working on my tone um, and how I deliver a message. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I make unnecessary decisions and uh, what are your thoughts on mental health and what advice would you give a sailor like me? Mm -hmm. I think uh, what, what immediately comes to mind is, is that um, sometimes people take poison, harm themselves. And, and I'm not, you know, in a lot of different ways right? Um, based on what other people think or what they do or what other people say. Mm. And uh, you kind of got to do you, you know what I mean? You, you, you will never please everybody and you can try. And you can have the best intentions. Again, this kind of goes back to the brilliant action. You, you know, you, you got to go back into the past. Okay, I did that wrong. I'll try to do it better next time. But you can't dwell on it, you know. Um, let's say that you rub somebody the wrong way. You know, you go apologize to them and try to move on from there. But if they don't accept the apology or they're going to hold a grudge against you, you can't control that. And you cannot let that continue to fester and bother you and constrict you because – you're not going to be open when you get home to the family. You're not going to be open when someone comes in and needs help from you. 
And, uh, you know, when they need to be inspired, you can't do it because you're focused and your attention is all on um, how this person's quote unquote making you feel, Um, Mm. you know, they're not understanding you. And the reality is, is that um, a lot of people aren't going to understand you or me. They're just not. Uh, So what do you do? You got to let that stuff go. It sounds easier than, than not. And if you need additional resources, you know, seeking mental health, seeking a chaplain, uh, seeking a friend, uh, a mentor, there's nothing wrong with any of those. In fact, uh, I would say that, you know, that those people that, that do, and I've been one of those, you know, I've been one to, you know, seek a counselor or whatever from somebody else you've now become more aware that there's something that that's an issue, but it's not just you, you know what I mean? So you, you can get down on yourself and say, Oh man, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm messed up or, you know, I'm not right or whatever. Get even more down on yourself when the reality is, and I mentioned alluded to this earlier is everybody's suffering in some sort of way. Mm. Everybody. There's not a person that's listening to this right now that doesn't have some sort of pain, whether it be mental, physical, spiritual, relationship, you know, um, monetary, you know, there's something going on in everybody's life. You know, you've just, if you go seek someone to help you, you've taken the very first step and that you've actually become aware. So in some ways it's like, Hey, kudos, you've become more aware of what is going on and, and, and are now accepting the fact that there's something not right. You know what I mean? But the ego doesn't let that happen. You know, the ego initially is like, well, why me? It can't be happening to me. I'm so good. I'm so this. I'm so that. I'm successful, blah, blah, blah. Why, why, does, why does this bad thing happen to me? And then you get in this depressive mood when in reality, it happens to everybody. You just don't see it. Going to somebody that sees it, a chaplain, you know, mental health, a friend who's experienced, you know, a parent, uh, whatever, can help you understand like, Hey, you're not alone. Everybody's doing the same thing, different times, different points in their life. That's why we need each other. That's why we have to love one another and, uh, and you'll receive it back. You know, so, um, you know, I would just say you got to really focus on letting stuff go, get the help when you need it. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful about it. Don't feel bad about it because if you need that help, because you've taken the first step and you're on the road to, trying to achieve enlightenment, which no one ever does, but, you know, you become more aware of things that you need and kudos to you for, for exploring that. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Uh, that's how I approached it, you know, and uh, I know that some people don't they want to say, well, I want to be tough and I want to be strong and I don't want to show any signs of weakness, but um, we're all human beings and we're, we're not all going to be strong 100% of the time. It just isn't going to happen. Yes, sir. You know, it's a lie that we tell ourselves. It's an ego thing to say, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm just going to tough it out. No, you're probably not. You actually have to deal with it, you know. Right, right. Deal with it. The, the, the ego is the I know it was deep. No, that was very deep. And that, that's all I was looking for. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, sir. That was my final question. Um, is there anything else you want to share with my audience, sir? You, you served yeah. 22 years. Anything else in closing that you'd like to say? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, you know, if I, if I could, uh, you know, do a talk on what I think is uh, 
currently helping me now is, is, a, is, is a gratefulness practice. So what I do is, is uh, before I go to bed every day, is I, I, and I actually do this exercise with my wife, is I say, what are two things you're grateful for? And then she says, she says those two things, and then I tell her the two things that I'm grateful for. Um, and I, I think when we focus in on all of the things that we have going for us, not everything's going to be going for us, but all the great things that we have, we start to realize that we actually have everything we need right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we'll cherish it more and we'll nurture it more and we'll grow. And, and then that happiness will be more likely to be there. And then ultimately you'll achieve joy in the world. Um, and it does come, it, it is difficult, but being grateful helps you accept what actually is. So that, that would be my advice. And there's, there's tools to get you there, but just a simple practice, whether it's journaling or just saying it. When you wake up in the morning, maybe it's in the evening, there's meditations, there's mindfulness type stuff that you can do. Um, it's, it's been really, really good for me and it's, it's helped me quite a bit. And once you start to clear up all those things that are bothering you, you can become more creative and, uh, and have more clarity on your life and what direction you want to go in. But it starts with being grateful, you know, yes, sir. Yes, grateful sir. for everything that you have. Uh, bottom line is, is that, you know, um, you're never stuck and you're never alone. And I, I think it's important for all of us to remember that when we get in a funk or, you know, something happens to you at work or in your prefers- or your personal life, you're never alone and you're, and you're never stuck. There's always a way. And I think right. in the military, we, we, we can kind of understand that. And if you really start thinking about it, go back to your roots and think about it, you know, your boot camp experience or the first time you went to, for a pay issue. Or, you know, right, right. You, you got to travel and your, your flights changed or whatever it is, deployment changed. I mean, we figure it out. We always figure it out. And uh, so there's always the way. I love it. That's it. Uh, Hopefully I I was able to share something uh, new. And definitely out there. I'm not really hundred percent comfortable with it, but. (laughs) Oh no, no, no. See, that's the humility again. I love it, sir. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for the wisdom shared. And I was going to call this uh, contentment because you're always so content where things are. But just talking to you today, I just, I just hear a man that's grateful for all the experiences, grateful for the people that he met, and grateful for the opportunities he has coming up in the future. So if there's anything I took away from being around you, it's just um, how you chose positivity over negativity, you know, even in the midst of animosity or... Um, confusion you know you just stayed even kill and you you led a team through uncertain times you know and and i just uh i just admire your calm at the helm and how you always just methodically went through all the decisions and came to a decision and made a decision so with that i just want to thank you i want to thank you for your 22 years and specifically the last two years you know and as you go into retirement i wish you the best i wish you and your wife and your family the best. Okay, sir. So with that, we'll end this episode and I say, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, sir. All right, LT. Thanks again. Bye-bye.